The sky is no longer falling in Rangers land, Molly. A three-game win streak capped off by a Chris Kreider dipsy doodah day in overtime on a breakaway. The blue shirts are hot again. Yeah, I mean, there was really no reason to press the panic button that quickly. I mean, we were only 10 games into the season. And judging based on how this team performed last season, there was really no reason to to jump to such conclusions. But yeah, that was a, a great OT winner from Chris Kreider. After the game, he was talking about how a little bit of panic set in when he saw Mika Zibanejad was not going to join him on the rush. But, you know, Mika Zibanejad said that that's pure trust right there. And, and it came to fruition. So it was a good win for the Rangers. And a big test ahead for the Blue Shirts Thursday night at MSG against the 9-1-0 Boston Bruins. And we'll preview that with guest co-host today from the Blue Crew pod, Johnny Lazarus. And of course, our Hall of Fame hockey writer, Larry Brooks, stops by. It's all coming up next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. Welcome to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. That highlight you heard of Chris Kreider's overtime goal, courtesy of the great Sam Rose and MSG Network. Of course, it's Jake Brown, the podfather here, along with my co-host, the star of the show, the queen of the post, the New York Rangers beat writer for the post, Molly Walker. And of course, Larry Brooks will join us later, our Hockey Hall of Fame writer, as well as your mailbag questions. You've got mail. Well, first segment here, we have a little something different. We have a guest co-host for the first 10 minutes here from the Blue Crew Pod. He also is a contributor for the Action Network, and he is an NHL contributor for Bleacher Report, Open Ice. He does it all. He also is a male model on the side. (laughs) Johnny Lazarus, Johnny boy, welcome to the show. Johnny, be good tonight. Welcome to Up in the Blue Seats. Thank you guys for having me. I love the both of you, so it's uh, an honor to be here. This could be the best-looking trio in podcasting. Oh, my God. Shut up. I was more so going to say we've got our UMass roots coming through, through and through here, and I appreciate that more than most people know, or I guess probably everybody knows how much that means to me. And you played (laughs) hockey, right, Johnny? I did play hockey. I still kind of do play hockey, just not at the competitive level I used to. Did you play with Zach Jones? Uh, No, Jonesy was a year after me, but we've, like, connected a bunch through, uh, you know, the UMass Alumni, actually, I saw him last year at game one of the Penguin series. I went up to the suite to say what's up to him in between periods and stuff. So he's a really good guy. I actually got to know him a little bit. Confirm Bessie's Molly when he's dropping Jonesy on us. He's yeah. using his nickname. What is this? C- confirmed former teammate. And Mullet Arena, not to describe your hair, Johnny, but Mullet Arena was popping. 5,000, what was it, 4,600 fans, Molly? In yeah, in reality, it's 5,000, but... It, it's more like 4,600 once you take away the press seats and, and the the media and, and that kind of stuff. It's really more like a 4,600-seat <laughs> arena, but it was electric. I mean, I understand the sentiment. Why is the NHL letting the Coyotes, letting an NHL team play in this barn? But, you know, it really, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. 
it gets the job done. And uh, I I had a great time. So and I think the players did, too, even though the uh, visiting locker room looks kind of like a scene out of a horror movie or something like that. That's just temporary, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is just temporary. Um, I'm hoping that it's temporary. I'm pretty sure that they're just waiting to get approval for the new arena, which is also going to be in Tempe, but not on ASU campus. As fun as that would be to just continue that. But I think it would be a little bit better to to go maybe somewhere away from the party scene. But I mean, I think it was it was a great time. I, I had a great time. I think the players had a great time. They won. The quotes were amazing from it. Oh, yeah, it was so good. Keandre Miller was kind of at a loss for words after the game. He really wasn't sure. And it was funny because, uh, you know, a decent amount of the Rangers were former college players. So they are familiar with that kind of atmosphere. But like Keandre was saying, once you play in the NHL for a while, you almost kind of forget about that kind of atmosphere for a bit. So he was like, it was, you know, a little bit weird to be back in that kind of environment. But I mean, who doesn't have fun? And it was basically a home game for the Rangers. That was the other layer to it. There were so many Ranger fans in attendance. A lot of New Yorkers just like to move out to Arizona for the dry heat. My dad being one of them and my old dad's side of the family lives out in Arizona. So I, I get the appeal. I really do. It's pretty nice. Also, I mean, it happened to fall on Halloween weekend. That was a trip that I wanted to go on too. I mean, who wouldn't want to beat ASU on Halloween. I mean, I might be a little uh, overage for it, but you know, if I was if I was a little younger, I would have played. Overage? What, what are you? Are you in like twenty five or what, how old are you? Twenty six, but I shouldn't be on a college campus for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Molly, did you end up going, Molly? You said you were going to try. What? Happened? Yeah, no, Vince. I was joking with Vince for Cogliano. This is we're the youngest people on the beat. I was like, you think we could, you know, finesse our way into a frat party or two? You know, you want to go frat hopping on Halloween weekend? Why not? I remember my first night of college and. First time I had jungle juice. Tastes like Gatorade. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, first time I ever drank. I had never drank until my first night dorming at a college. So wow, I was a late, look at late you. Boomer. Downloaded clean versions of rap songs. Didn't curse. We get You're soap good in my mouth. Noodle. Yeah, it was, it was the Irish Spring or the Dove, if I said sucks. Anyways, enough about us. The Rangers right now in a little three-game win streak, Johnny. As a fan of the team who uh, just sold your tickets in Section 420, I think it's a requirement to be stoned if you're sitting in Section 420. Where are you on the team right now? It's been a mixed bag. Not great in the power play, but they're finding ways to win. And a huge game Thursday night. It's going to be a packed house uh, against the Bruins. So I think I told this to Molly prior to the season, but I was on the train that the Rangers are going to regress this year just because you're giving a lot of responsibility to a lot of younger guys that just don't have that experience. I know they played in the conference final last year and you can say that's, you know, really good experience for them to gain. But when you look at teams like Chicago and Colorado, you know, all the pain they went through to get on top, learning about what it takes to win. And I see a lot of this Rangers team from what I saw in that 2008, 2009, 2010 Chicago team that was super young, super talented, didn't have the goaltending that the Rangers have in Chesterkin, but it took time for Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and then veterans like Hosa to come in and help get them over the hump. So I think that's what this Rangers team is kind of going through right now. You know, they have a solid core that has, you know, some veteran experience, but they also have a lot of young guys who need to come into their own. So, 
this year, I think it's been obviously pretty inconsistent so far with the offensive output. You know, the three-game win streak does feel somewhat iffy in a way because it wasn't necessarily convincing wins, even though it kind of felt like it should have been. But the Rangers are so weird right now because when you look at statistics, if you're a big, you know, underlying numbers person, like their expected goals is very low because they're not finishing, but, you know, they're getting all these scoring chances and out shooting their opponents almost every night. So it's like a really weird kind of back and forth vibe right now. You know, at no point did I think they were going to lose against the Flyers, but there was a little bit of scare at certain times because the puck just wasn't going in the net. Like Lafreniere's backhand that hit the post. I, I literally just Five said Five like, posts. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Carter Hart's just going to steal this game. Like what's, what's happening right now? But as time goes on, the players will start to produce. Like, you know, Kako's getting chances. Lafreniere is getting chances and they don't have the points to show it, but it, it's just only a matter of time until they do because the chances are just continuing and continuing to come. And I just think when it rains, it pours. So once they get one, they're going to start to feel it. Like Kreider now is going to have a different vibe to him after scoring that big overtime goal. It's just, once you see the puck go in the net a little bit, you feel a bit more confident. You think less when you shoot. Yeah, I think uh, head coach Gerard Gallant's assessment of a six out of 10 for the first handful of games is, is pretty accurate. You know, they could do better, but again, when you look at their record, it's coming along. It's very similar to how they started last season, but I think Adam Fox said this to Larry the other the other day that they he thinks that they're playing better now than they did last season, though. Last season, it was all about Shisterkin stealing game after game after game. And it's not necessarily that. Now it's just they've had some bad puck luck a couple games. They're struggling at even strength at times. And I think the biggest takeaway for me through this first sample size of games is how much their success on the power play directly correlates to their ability to win games. And that is, I think, a blessing and a curse because when you have a power play that's as automatic like clockwork and so dangerous and deadly as as they have, how it can take over games, it could be great. But we've also seen the frustrations pour out and onto the ice in all aspects of the game when the puck isn't going in the back of the net. And that can kind of be a detriment to them. One of the most interesting quotes I think of the season of the season so far was Gerard Gallant pointed out that he wasn't really a fan of their body language after one of the games where they were really having a problem with putting the puck in the net. And that I think is something to monitor because that could be pretty bad that you don't you don't want the poor body language, the frustrations, the constantly talking to the refs which is also something I've seen a lot this season from them. So I think that I think that they just know what they're capable of and now that they're coming off of that crazy playoff run, getting to that point of frustration is a lot easier because they're so sure of themselves now. So it's kind of like, you know, back and forth. It's it's could be a blessing, it could be a curse. It's that expectation, right? Like that's where the pressure comes in because everyone now you know, the Rangers last year were an underdog all season, even throughout the playoffs, they were the underdog. And now they have that target on their back. It's a whole different vibe. So yeah, no, Adam Fox said that it was a lot easier to play to that underdog narrative. It's a lot easier to rally around. Now it's kind of a different dynamic, like you said, but it's still also now they're coming from a place of wanting to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and wanted to prove that they can replicate um, that kind of success again. So 
I think it's a, it's still really early on in the season is is what I think <laughs> that I think it's still way too early to be making big general uh, assumptions about about the New York Rangers. But we do have some fun subtext questions from our followers. Let's do one with Johnny, because I know he's got to go to a meeting. He's he's a corporate guy. You know, he's actually got a job. Unlike us, we just talk about sports and stuff. Let's give him one question and send him off with that. Molly, what do you got from Jim Moon? I know we're used to seeing this, but should the top power play unit consistently be on the ice for 90 seconds? And is the lack of power play time hurting the growth of Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere? My answer is it should be on the ice as much as it is. It's just too good. It's just too good. I have to agree. Although I'm not opposed to throwing Trocek on the second unit just for a couple of games to try it out and throwing Lafreniere and Caco in that bumper spot just because Trocek is more of a net front guy. That's where he played on the Hurricanes when he was in the power play. He was at that net front. And right now, Kreider has established himself as one of the best net front guys in the league. So if you do want to give Lafreniere and Kako that extra time, maybe making that swap could help because the power play, as good as it's been, is still only like 21%, I think. It's not even as good as it was last year. So there is room. There is enough time to try to figure that out for like a five-game span. You know, it's not too late in the season. Obviously, we just said it's a little early in the season. So, you know, that could be a way, but there's no reason why the power play shouldn't be on for less than a minute. I mean, Alexander Ovechkin's on the ice for two minutes every power play because he's the best power play player there is. So you want your best guys out there when you have the advantage. So Johnny Lazarus, Lazzy 23 on Twitter. Check out his pod, the Blue Crew pod, and also... Bleacher Board Open Ice Action Network covers does it all. Johnny, thanks for coming on. We'll have you on uh, later in the season when you don't have an 11 a.m. meeting. Thanks, thanks for coming guys. on. And one thing I will say to end, the best bet of the NHL season right now is Rangers under first period. Igor's money. Under first period. All right, Molly, place your parlays in. All right, Johnny, we'll talk thanks, to you guys. soon. See you, man. And there goes Johnny. Good stuff from him on Up in the Blue Seats. Jake Brown and Molly Walker. Larry Brooks will join us in a few minutes for the Vitaly Kravtsov show. It's all Kravtsov. So none of these questions will be about him because we'll talk about him for the next 20 minutes or so. Let's go, Molly, to Tim Maher, Ryan Kutanansky. Still early yet too early to release Charislav Halak. Wow, this is real early. And call up Louis Domingue as the backup to Igor. It is too early. And look, I, I understand that that one game, the five to one loss to Columbus, that was bad. That was bad. It was a bad game. And you know what? He admitted it. He acknowledged it. He took full accountability for it, which we always appreciate as members of the media. But and yeah, the Islander game, too, wasn't great, but it was also on account of the Rangers not being able to score. I think Halak is is still a good backup. I really do. I think it's such a small sample size of games. Yeah, it's been three losses. But the Winnipeg game, the 4-1 to loss in Winnipeg, he kept them in that game until the third period. And he played really well in that game. But goalies, they have fluke games. They have just, you know, bad nights. It happens. I don't think that there's any reason to make any rash sort of decisions and send him down and bring up Louis Domingue just yet. We should give him a little bit more time to get acclimated and to find his game. But I think one of the most interesting things that he told me during training camp was how as a backup, you have more time in between your starts. So when you do have a bad game like that, there's more time for you to dwell on it and to think about it and to like kind of let it fester. Um, and not as many opportunities to make up for it. 
So that's something that's always a difficult obstacle to clear when you're a backup. But I think Halak has been around the block. He's been a backup before many times over the course of his very long career. So I just think that, you know, pump the brakes there. I think he's still an adequate backup for sure. Gary Moritz wants to know, do you sense a different feeling and attitude around the team? Are they feeling the weight of expectations that didn't exist last year? I don't necessarily think that they, I mean, I'm sure they know the expectations that are hanging above them. There's no doubt about that, just because it's easy to see in in the way that everybody around the league talks about the Rangers now and the expectations that people have for them. But I think that the biggest difference that I've noticed is just almost like the team confidence in how they're so confident in their ability to win games and knowing what they're capable of and knowing what they can do each and every night because of that playoff run that they just came off of. I think that's the biggest difference. And I think that's a positive shift in mindset because if you go all the way to the Eastern Conference Final and you're still not sure of yourself and you're st- and you're still not confident in your ability to actually get there, um, then that's a problem, I think. So I think that during preseason and training camp, there was kind of that vibe of like, they just wanted the regular season games to start because, you know, who cares about preseason games? Who cares about training camp? They just really wanted the games to start to get going so that they can, you know, work toward proving that last season was not a fluke. And I think that that's the number one goal on everybody's mind is proving that they can replicate last season. Harry DeMarco, another situation could be a man or a woman. Carry though, is both a man and a woman. I remember the last name we had that was definitely a woman. Well, to do our research it appears that health may be an issue this year will that eventually affect the decision on carrying 22 players molly that's the question i think that it's going to be hanging over the rangers for this entire season in an ideal world they want to be carrying 22 players just so that they can accrue as much cap space as they possibly can by the trade deadline but yes carry's correct in the sense that it does look like injuries are going to be a problem and that their depth is going to play a much bigger of a factor than it did last season. They're going to have to carry 23, at least for the time being with so many people injured with Kravtsov and Heedle both injured at the moment as insurance, because I doubt that they're going to want a situation where they're dressing 11 forwards and seven defensemen. Um, I definitely don't think that that's a route they want to take. I know they did it a couple times at the end of last season, but I don't think that that's a preference for them. So I think that it's going to be 23 for the time being until everybody's healthy. And then I would expect Julian Gauthier to go back down um, so that they're able to carry, you know, 22 for as long as they possibly can. And it's, it's a, it's a numbers game at this point um, for the Rangers. So uh, unless the uh, cap is raised, but that is, that is a a topic for another time. (laughs) Yeah. Gauthier is, uh, Gauthier is the next question. Paul Collette, what are the odds that he carves out a full-time bottom six role? Look, I I know what Julian Gauthier is. I do. I see I see the upside though. I really do. If he can figure out how to just put it all together, he could be a pretty solid bottom six guy. He for anybody, he really could. It's just a matter of actually putting it all together. He has the intangibles, he has the tools, the size, the strength, and he gets to the net better than anybody 
on the Rangers better than anybody, you know, than a lot of players in the NHL. But obviously it doesn't mean anything if you're not putting the puck in the back of the net. Last season, I've, I tried to, you know, ask him about where he thinks the disconnect is. I didn't really get much of an answer. So I don't know if it's something that he's still working on or, you know, will just come with more reps. But there's been a lot of reps. So it's just kind of like, do they play the waiting game of of seeing if he can put it all together? But I think that he does have the foundation to be a solid bottom six guy. It'll just be up to him to to kind of put it together. But I, I do have faith. I do. I think he's a great kid. I think he has a great attitude. And as we saw the other night, grabbing guys by the throat in the name of standing up for Adam Fox. And I think that the team and fans should appreciate that. Obviously, losing Dryden Hunt to the Avalanche on the waiver wire was a bit of a tough blow. But Julian Gauthier... um, is not a bad depth guy to have. Yeah, and that uh that picture just like Revo made its rounds of uh, the choking and uh some people had various reactions, some enjoyed it more than others. Let's do one more question before we go to Larry Brooks. Lee Saravio, scoring at even strength remains an issue. Is it improved by trying to put the kid line back together and balancing three lines? I mean, there's absolutely no doubt that the kid line is the most effective line for the Rangers at even strength. There's no doubt about that. But that being said, Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere have looked great in the top six, in my opinion. I think Capo Caco has really taken a step this season, just in terms of when I watch him, he's calling for the puck now. He wants the puck now. His Puck possession is dominant. You know, Larry, I think Larry said it best. That was that was Capocaco from the World Juniors that everybody was fawning over. And I think that part of that is playing with the top line, playing with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. I think that his confidence has taken a nice boost here and he wants to be a contributing member of that line. And I think the same for Alexi Lafreniere. I think that they're embracing the, their, this top six opportunity. And they're playing really, really, really well right now. So for those reasons, for the sake of the development of those two guys, because we all know that the Rangers want them to eventually be top six staples, that this is probably the best course of action right now. Also because Larry talks about this in his column, how many minutes the top six is getting and compared to the bottom six. I mean, the Rangers lineup is heavy to begin with, but the way that that Coach Gallant is deploying them right now the top two lines are getting significant minutes and you want Alexi Lafreniere and Capocacco to be getting those significant minutes. So I think that right now their alignment is, is the best one that they have. Well, Molly Thursday, it's the Rangers against the best team in the league at the garden, the Bruins Sunday, the Red Wings come to the garden Tuesday, the Islanders. How about the Rangers tied atop the Metro with the devils who are sizzling hot four in a row and the Islanders sizzling hot four in a row Rangers go for four in a row. Good times here in the tri-state area, despite the jets and giants losing the other day, good times in hockey land. It's, it's very nice to see those teams atop the standings all together. And it's only, you know, 10, 11 games in. So still a long ways to go. Well, we have a long conversation with Larry Brooks about one player and that's Vitaly Kravtsov, And it's coming up next. Um, up in the blue seats. I actually looked away because little superstitious, and uh, so I don't even know how it went in. To be honest with you, I'll look later. I'll watch it on TV tonight.
All right, we go from a youngin and Johnny to the Hall of Famer and Larry Brooks joining us now. Follow my Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. Read his stories in the post and nypost.com. Larry, let's start once again with the man of the hour, Vitaly Kravtsov. We can't get enough of him. Uh, he's out for another week here. Is this just an unfortunate happenstance or uh, what are your impressions of the situation? I think he's had terrible luck. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's played sparingly in four games. He's been hurt three times. But I also think there's a matter of understanding how he needs to protect himself that he's not fully, hasn't fully grasped, which I don't really quite understand now that I put a little bit more thought into it because he, he played here for 20 games at the end of the 2021 season. He played for the Rangers for 20 games. His performance was fine. You know, it, you know, he came in at the end, at the second half of that year. Um, he looked a lot more comfortable and looked a lot more confident with the puck on the ice during those 20 games than he has either in training camp or in exhibition games or, or the, the little ice time he's gotten. He also had played, I think, over 40 games in Hartford. You know, his first pro season after he went back, he, you know, he, he rejoined the, the, uh, the organization after he had played in, in the KHL for a while. So it's not as if this is his first time on North American ice. It's not as if it's his first time adapting to NHL speed. So I'm not really quite sure. I, I, I what I believe is that he came here this summer wanting to fit in you know wanting to put in the work wanting to be a wanting to be a star with the rangers and and i think he wants that maybe it's just you know all in his head i you know i don't know because it's been a last you know we know what happened last year it was a tough year um i think he's paying the price for hardly playing last season you know and the covid year was tough too so he hasn't played a lot of hockey i'm saying a lot of words and i'm not sure what they all add up to except it's it's a very very difficult situation a very difficult situation for the team because of cap rules you know roster rules and 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 things like that they you know you they're not in a position where they can afford to keep an extra player all year and hope that he can play so listen i i, I wrote the other day about the possibility that they're going to ask Kravtsov to go to hartford for 14 day conditioning loan i think that's what they'll do and i reached out to his agent to find, because a player has to consent to being assigned on a conditioning loan so i reached out to his agent craftsoft's agent is uh, dan milstein we've had a lot of a lot of interaction in the past and when i text him and asked him the question and i i said i know this is hypothetical his response to me was just no comment which which i you know, you know which I'm, I'm not sure how to how to interpret but it was a little bit jarring, you know, you, you, you could have, you know, he could have said, listen, I don't I don't want to talk about this now because it hasn't happened. It's premature. I haven't talked to I haven't talked to Vitaly about it. We haven't talked to the Rangers. I'm, I'm not going to talk to you before I talk to them. You know, I get it all. And that's maybe what the no comment meant. But it was just it was it was just a strange response. No comment. So I do think I, I think, you know, it'll, it'll get into the beginning of next week, I think. And I, I expect the Rangers to make that request. And then we'll find out where it goes from there. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Larry, in the sense that I feel like I have to like take a step back and, and put all my thoughts in in like order before I talk about this subject, because I feel like there are a lot of layers to it. A lot, a lot of layers to it. We've got a really young kid a kid from Russia, a kid who had a really tough 
go last season in the sense that he didn't make all the right decisions. We don't even know if it was him making all of the decisions as well. He's a young guy. He's probably looking to others for advice. And I think that he kind of got the shit end of the stick in the sense that he came out looking horrible to everybody, to the Rangers, to fans. And but with good reason, in a way, he did quit on the Rangers. He did flee back to Russia. He did decline his AHL assignment, which after these couple of games here looks like would probably be the best thing for him right now, which is also why I feel like the no comment is like, like you said, a pretty jarring response, because wouldn't you think that an agent would be amenable to whatever was best for his player, which anybody with eyes that's watching this kid on the ice right now could tell he's not comfortable, could tell that he's second guessing everything that he's doing and just doesn't have the confidence to go out there and be the player that the top 10 pick that everybody thinks that he is and that he can be. And I and I think too that there's there's no question here also about what the Rangers' intentions are. They want the best for this player because it's in their best interest. It's in their best interest. Yes. Right? And and they coming into camp, they gave him a top six spot. Yeah, gifted it. Right. Put it on they a silver him, platter. They want, Artemi Panarin said, Hey, I want to work with him. I, I want him to be with me. And so it's it's not as it's not as you know we're not looking at a position at a, at a scenario under which the Rangers are going to stick him on the fourth line and and you know he's never going to be able to get ahead on the Rangers because Lafreniere is on the team because Kako's on the team. No, I mean the, you know he would enhance whether it's their top six now or their top nine. What the Rangers I'm sure would like now you know watching the way the first. Um, 11 games have unfolded is to keep their top six the way it is and then have Kravtsov play with Hedl on the third line and then maybe have Goodrow on the left side. And then you have a, you know, a third line that you can roll. And as I wrote today, they're, they're piling minutes on their top six now because their bottom six, you know, is, is, is kind of vague at, at this point. So they, you know, they're going to need to get away from piling minutes on their top six all year. Um, or they're, they're certainly their top four, a, and, and, and engaged and a competent and a productive Kravtsov elevates their team. And if he were to go to Hartford, and again, this is this is hypothetical, he would have six games to play down there in that two-week period, that 14-game period, that 14-day period. And so you would expect that he would be able to acclimate him, reacclimate himself to playing just to get a, He's not played. He's played 28 minutes. You know, the season is a month old now. He's not in condition. This would not be a, a maneuver for the Rangers to get around the cap because it's some it's it's some zero on the cap. So I don't want to read too much into no comment because that's all it was. It was no comment. And perhaps when and if jury has that conversation with the agent, this will be the conversation. Yes, it's best for him. We understand what you're doing. We, you know, we, you know, the relationship is great. It let's, should be. But the answer though is it should be. Anything should be. else would be weird. I think like, right. Like, let's just say again, hypothetically speaking, we do find out that the, that there was a discussion about a conditioning assignment and Vitaly and his agent decline. The answer is why, why if that's not what's best for him. And also the other aspect to it is what has he done to prove that he doesn't need to go to Hartford? 
because he has it, but he also hasn't had a chance. Right. And let's, you know, let's be honest, too, that if 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 he did not require waivers, that's where he would be right now because he needs to get up to speed. <laughs> well, know? do you think so? Because I don't know, because I think that, like you said, they need a lot, like they need him to succeed. They need him to fit in. They need him to contribute. That would be so beneficial for them, given their cap situation, given their roster situation as well, and the depth that they have. It is in their best interest for him to be playing well for them, but I don't, it's just, there's just so many different layers to it. And I think it's such a puzzling situation. And you have to earn your minutes too. You do. I mean, you're, you're, you're in the national hockey league. You have to earn your minutes at some point. You, you know, a spot is not bequeathed to you. It's, it, you know, it can't be a competitive business. And, you know, there, there are players who want that ice time. There are players in the room who want that ice time. Yeah, Julian Gauthier. Julian Gauthier outplayed Vitaly Kravtsov in training camp. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's just a fact. Right. So again, I, I you know, every, I, I think everyone wants the same thing, um, but I guess we'll find out next week. And 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 not to, yeah, uh, you know, not to read too much into it, but but there would be, you know, if if the invitation were declined, it would, um, it, it would not, it would not send a good signal. Yeah, this. I feel like it would be reverting back to what happened last season, you know, it would be very similar. And that also just tells me that, you know, they have this narrow-minded tunnel vision, you know, idea that Vitaly Krasov has to be an NHL player right now. But I feel like, and I feel like a lot of people don't really look at it like this because I've seen a, I've seen Krasov take a lot of shit online and I understand fans' frustrations. I really do. But you have to look at the big picture of it. Like this kid, he's really trying to make. Yeah, he wants. He does. He, does. he, wants he absolutely that, does. You know, that's 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 my impression of him. I obviously don't know, but I I think he wants to be one of the wants to be one of the boys. Wants to be rain. Wants to be a good teammate. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure that he knows how at this point. He, 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 again, we have very limited. Um, exposure to him so you know we're not pretending that we know more about him it, it's you know it, it's just observations right but but he he seems like he just wants to to be another guy you know he wants to be friendly there's a language barrier he seems very very young you know i, I know everyone to me seems very very young but he seems especially young. part of it might be the language he wants to he wants to talk to you in english he wants to communicate in english he speaks pretty good English. He does. And he does. So, um, you know, so it's 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 kind of a mystery. He is he remains a mystery. Yeah. And the another ad, like observation from my end is I can tell how petrified he is of doing the wrong thing again, saying the wrong thing again. And given how everything unfolded last season, it is kind of the right attitude to have. He does want to, you know, do all the right things by the Rangers, considering how everything went down last season. But I also think that that might be impacting just his general ability to get acclimated to the NHL, get acclimated to the game. Like it's almost in the back of his mind when he's on the ice too. Like you can just see he's not, I mean, we all know him as this, offensive gifted type high skill high talent kind of guy and that just hasn't come through at all it hasn't been able to i just i i think a lot of people need to take a step back and re and look at the big picture 
and and cut the kid a break for a bit, I think this next step after he comes back from this injury will be very telling about him and his agent and their, you know, stance on him as an NHLer. So I think it'll be really telling and, and maybe we should, you know, hold some judgments until until that comes out. So we'll see. We'll see. But, you know, you have to dedicate a lot of time to talk about this because it has been a really big storyline. It's also been a, it's also now been a multi-year saga. Yeah, it really has been. You're yeah, right. It's been a multi-year saga. They 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 took him, you know, he gets taken off the board, really, an off the board pit at ninth overall. Ninth. Um in a year where there are some pretty good players who were drafted after him. This is a player they locked into Gordy Clark. I remember you know the draft was in Dallas that year. Gordy Clark, you know, talked about how he just locked into Kravtsov very, very early in the season and and watched him play all year. And, you know, in his, you know, Russian town, like all year watching him play. And I rem- and and the interesting thing was he had a he had a different agent when he was drafted. Paul Thomas was his agent. Milstein is his agent now. Um, Background on Milstein. Mil- Milstein reps all the major Russian players. Nikita Kucherov. Well, yeah. as Panarin, he does too. Yes, yeah. He, and, but Milstein and, also in, in Minnesota and and, uh, and Tarasenko. So you know, not all. Not all, but Milstein has a good portion as well. You know, when you think about from Kravtsov's point of view, he's going to probably hang on every word that his agent of advice and things like that because he's got these big time guys on his representation roster as well. The other thing I, what I was going to say, though, about Theophanis is that that night at the draft, the Rangers and, and Theophanis were talking about how he could, they, they perceived that he was really going to have a shot to make the team the next year. And he was going to have to, you know, he had a contractual clause where there would either have to be notice or, or uh, a payment made. You know, there, there, were, there was something that, that would have been an obstacle, but there was such that there's been such anticipation over Kravtsov. I remember even, um, I think after his first year in the KHL, he, you know, so he remained, he remained over there for that first year. He wasn't, he wasn't ready. And the contract situation was, was in place. And then, so the following year, Craig Button of TSN had him rated as the top affiliated NHL prospect. I remember that. So we're, you know, we're not talking about just some guy. We're talking about a, a, a you know a player who the Rangers invested a ninth overall pick in, whom the team has been anticipating for years. The fans have been anticipating for years, and and you know the only other player really who had that kind of a saga it was Shesterkin because he was drafted in 2014, and it was when when is he going to come? When is he going? When can they get him? Over? When can they get him over? So you know there was all this anticipation for Shesterkin. And there has been this kind of anticipation with Kravtsov, but whereas Shesterkin came over, was assigned to the American Hockey League. He played his, you know, it's true. Played like three months in the American. That was, and that was always the plan, which I was told that was always the plan. But imagine if Shesterkin had had been a Kravtsov. No, sorry, I'm going back. So again, uh, you know, the two distinct personalities, two different positions, uh, two different players. Uh, two different agents, 
But it again, the reason Kravtsov demands, I think, this much attention for a player who's played 28 minutes is because of the saga that that has become Vitaly Kravtsov. I mean, that's 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 just what it has become. And again, you, t- you take a look at the Rangers, their cap situation. It's important for them that he become a player because they're going to have issues next year. With the, you know, we we know all the reasons. You know, we're spending a lot of time on a player who's played 28 minutes. But there's a pretty good reason for it. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, again, nothing changes in Vitaly's game and his way to impact the game. He keeps getting hurt. When in the season do you, or if at all, do you think the Rangers decide to send him somewhere to send him to the American Hockey League or, you know, I don't even know, or just decide that this is not because again, getting back to the cap, they can't afford to be carrying a player who is consistently hurt or just not making any sort of impact at all. I would say that the, the, um, until we see how this unfolds in the next week or so, that's, that's, that's kind of premature. I I think, because honestly, I, I think if he goes to Hartford, plays, comes up, then he becomes a player. And, you know, they try and fit him in and you, and you go from there. Um, I think if he were decl- to decline, that presents an entire set of issues because maybe that's, you know, maybe this is probably unfair because, you know, we're, we're you know, this is so fair. But if he were to say no, I would, I would interpret that as I want out. That's what I would interpret it as. But that might not be fair. You know, again, you, you'd have to know the conversation between jury and you'd have to know Kravtsov's, you know, real, real take on the whole thing. Maybe Kravtsov believes that he needs two weeks. You know, maybe, you know, maybe he would go to them and say, "Look, I, I need to play. I, I, I need to play." Um, he understands. He talked about it in training camp. He understands that he was negatively impacted by not playing much last year. He talked about it. He gets that. So, how does he improve by playing? You know, eight minutes a game, seven minutes a game, nine minutes a game. I, I, yeah, he needs to get on the ice. He needs to play. He needs to be on the power play. He needs to be on the first. You know, he, he he needs that time again. Maybe he will say, "Listen, I I need to go down and play. As soon as I'm ready, I want to go down and play." If if it's you know if, if it's the opposite, then then I'm not I'm really not sure what we're dealing. Then I just feel like it would be like history repeating itself at that point. You know, like and then I think and then and then it's just not. The relationship is just not it's not going to be able to come back from it a second time. I don't think. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. They they had a player and and, yeah, he was a, uh, you know, a a depth player. Dale Purinton, long, long time ago. They had a guy named Dale Purinton who was, you know, a tough guy, real tough guy. I actually I like I like Dale a lot as 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 an individual. Um, Yeah, he was pretty marginal player, but he was, you know, he played a role. He was a tough guy. He was D. They moved him up to forward sometimes. And, and there was a year where he had been out, he had been injured, and they asked him after a couple of years, you know, he had been in the league for, for a couple of years, and they asked him to go on a conditioning assignment. And he said no, and because he was afraid he was going to lose his spot, you know, he and uh, Glenn uh, Sather was the GM at the time, you know, he said no, and it was, you know, a fairly public thing. And I remember thinking and, and saying and writing, how could you, how could you keep him? Once a player says no to you on that request, you have to move him out of the organization. Well, they didn't. You know? <laughs> but, and, you know, it, it, you know, it, you know, Carrington went on and, and, you know, did what he did. But that's, you know, my feeling is from as a third party. And, and I and, you know, they're, you know, as, as a third party, you're never 
you know, you're never conversant with every detail. You, you know, you're, you're not as familiar with everything as when you're one of the two. But as a third party, my general rule would be, if you decline a rehab assignment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move you. I, you know, you, you're not doing what's best for the organization. That's your right. You know, you have that right under the CBA to decline, but I also then have the right to move you. And, and that's kind of what I, what I, you know, would, would, would take from, from a, a uh, negative response would be, he just doesn't want to be in the organization and, you know, we shouldn't have him in the organization. But again, it's, it's a lot easier for me to say and for me to write than, you know, for Drury to do. Uh, and and I get that, but um, again, we're spending we're spending a lot of time on something that hasn't happened. <laughs> I know, but you know what? You have to. I feel like this is what everybody's talking about. This is like this was this. I knew I wanted to spend the entire time talking about crafts off with you. That wraps up the Vitaly crafts off show here on uh, Up in the Blue Seats. Uh, if you want to hear more about Larry's thoughts on the Rangers, he had a good column uh, that came out in mypost.com about three issues he's worried about, including heavy ice time for the top six forwards. Check that out. Larry Brooks, NYP underscore Brooksy on Twitter. Larry, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. You know what they say, third time's the charm. We've hit the centennial mark. That's right. Episode 100 of Up in the Blue Seats. No more players to name. Our Rangers podcast from the New York Post is in the books. And thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me out and producing the show. Make sure you catch all episodes of the show on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Find us on YouTube. Subscribe to New York Post Sports and watch all full episodes of Up in the Blue Seats there. Follow us on Twitter at Molly Walker. That's two E's and two R's. And at Jake Brown Radio. Good show, Molly. Johnny is a good guy. Great in the industry. Good looking dude. He is just killing it right now and was glad to have him on. Yes, thanks so much to Johnny for joining the show today. But I can't believe that we're at a hundred episodes. I think that is a huge accomplishment, and it would not be possible with all all of our lovely listeners. So big shout out to all you guys. Thank you so much. We love it, we enjoy it, and we hope you do too. Each one of you will receive a personal cookie from me. Next time I see you. I with one hundred. <laughs> yeah, one hundred with our faces on it we are going to set up i talked about a photo shoot so get your glam uh get your mama mia shoes on and your uh your bell bottoms molly i'll be pierce brosnan we'll bring andrew hartz in he could be one of the other guys uh from the movie but we will have our mama mia up in the blue seats photo shoot at some point i hope in the coming weeks to promote in the paper we need a full page ad of our faces god i think we do too we deserve that yeah we bring uh (laughs) we bring the glam in glamour, Molly. Yes, we do. That's that's enough out of us. That wraps up episode 100 for Molly Walker, Larry Brooks, Johnny Lazarus, Andrew Hartz. I'm the pod father, Jake Brown. We'll return with new episode of Up in the Blue Seats next Thursday and every Thursday throughout this Rangers season. Thanks for listening to 100 episodes of us on Up in the Blue Seats. We'll talk to you next week. We were dumbfounded.